This is Dr. Baba Kazizadeh. You are listening to the Smile Podcast, where I will be sharing with you my unique and holistic perspective on beauty, health, and wellness. Hello. <laughs> Millions of people have surgery every year. Or you could just get a boob job. Using targeted Botox can be a miracle. Smiling like that is a skill. Your surgery has been successful. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Smile Podcast with Dr. Babak Azizadeh. I am Dr. Babak Azizadeh. And today I have a very, very, very special guest, uh, Jackie Deals, who is probably the world's biggest expert on smile. <laughs> and since the name of this podcast is Smile, I wanted to bring somebody who can give us everything we need to know about a smile and what it does. And Jackie is just one of the most wonderful human beings, oh, one of the world's you. experts. Uh, she is an occupational therapist who actually is from Madison, Wisconsin, originally Chicago, yep. lives in Madison, Wisconsin. And we're very, very fortunate to have her here. And she basically, what uh, she does for a living is help individuals who have smile disorders um, kind of regain their smile function. Yep. And so today we're gonna talk all about a smile. So all welcome, right. Jackie. Thanks, thanks very much. I'm honored to be here. I'm happy to be here. Jackie, I know <laughs> we're we're both smiling because, uh, you know, Jackie and I have known each other for about 16, 17 years. Yep. I met her at a conference in the Netherlands, yep. uh, which was actually a facial nerve conference, and the way that we smile. Um, and Jackie will go into a little bit deeper uh, into this, is that you know our brain generates a signal for us to smile and the facial nerve is the wiring system that transmits those signals through the muscles of our face to smile. So there are conferences around the world every four years that are focused on the facial nerve, right. a variety of aspects. So we met about 16, 17 years ago uh, at one of these conferences and it, we, it was love at first sight. Yeah. We just glommed together. It, it was yeah. just like we knew each we other. We were in that cave. Home. Right. When we <laughs> talked for the first time, there was a cave for a dinner, faculty dinner. Yeah. And, uh, we, we luckily sat next to each other and yeah. just like struck up a conversation and right. I was in awe with her. She's like this world yeah. expert. I was just starting my practice. Yeah, that was and, mutual. Yeah. So Jackie, tell us, a. What we want, I, I think, you know, the goal of today's podcast for me is I really think smiling is probably one of the most profound um, actions that we do as human beings because it conveys not only emotions, but like allows us to communicate with people and connect with people. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how do we smile, why it's important, and just like your overall concepts of, you know, uh, the smile mechanism. Well, I think there are a lot of aspects to it because we kind of, nobody really thinks about what their face does, but, but our faces, it's how we are identified, really. Yeah. We look at each other's face, we, I know that you're you, you know that I'm me. Um, if I saw your arm walking down the hall, I would not know that that's you. So there's a, there's a basic identity involved in, in just our face in general. And our smile is, it's welcoming. It says to somebody else, Hey, you know, I want, I'm, I'm approachable. I want to know you. I want to talk to you or I'm happy or, 
um, it's a, it's, it's, I think it's just what brings people together. It's what brings I, people. Yeah. Together. I mean, I think that communication, being able to communicate non-verbally through your smile and sometimes it's negative communication, right? Sometimes right. you do a, you know, fake smile yep. and people but everybody know. Knows. That's right. Everybody people knows know. it. And where it's a natural, you know, smile right. that, you know, people can tell, oh my God, I'm, I just connected with this person. And it's, it's so automatic because you don't think about smiling. It comes from, first of all, the emotional part of your brain. So it's not like somebody says something funny, for example, and you have to think, okay, that person said something funny. Now I need to flex such and such a muscle and make a smile. No, it's automatic. It's automatic. And I know that in some of the people that, that we tend to treat, it isn't automatic anymore. But in general, it's an automatic response that we have. And it comes from the emotional part of the brain and it comes through us and out into, into the public. Yeah, so for some of our listeners and viewers, um, one area that um, you know we both have collaborating together for a long time is individuals who actually don't have normal smiles. Right. Their smiles were either never completely formed when they were born uh, through um, and some causes that sometimes we don't know what they are. Sometimes they're actual real causes like Mobius syndrome that cause uh, an individual to not have a smile on either side of their face, or they develop it later because they had a tumor that needed to be like an acoustic neuroma, or they developed something called a Bell's palsy, which is a virus that can uh, impact the smile mechanism. So we, this is kind of where we collaborate a lot. Uh, I do a lot of reconstructive surgery for individuals who have smile dysfunctions. Jackie works with them from uh, neuromuscular retraining angle to help them understand their smiles and what what's going on. So when you're looking at an individual who has a smile dysfunction, what is their primary, what is it that they're coming in? What do you see in them that's different than someone that does not have a smile dysfunction? Well, aside from the obvious physical part of it, the, there's asymmetry in the face. Um, there's often an emotional component. There's depression. Yeah. There's sadness. Uh, there's a feeling of isolation. There's a feeling of shame because they look different and they feel like they, they're not being read appropriately. They're having trouble in their relationships. They're having trouble getting a job. Um, and so there's depression that goes along with that. And, um, just from not being able to express themselves the way that they're used to expressing themselves. It's and that pretty can have deep. a profound impact. Absolutely. Even when it's minor. Right. And that's one of the things, a lot of times, like with Bell's palsy, what I've noticed is, um, so Bell's palsy basically, um, uh, the wiring system that connects our brain to the various muscles gets impacted with Bell's palsy. And in the first phase of Bell's palsy, people have no movement. None. Their face kind of completely shuts down. They look like they've had a stroke. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people, they go to the emergency room um, and they'll start their treatment. And it's very important that they get their treatment right away, which is mainly steroids and sometimes antiviral medicines, and make sure that there is no stroke and nothing else going on. 
And in that phase, I would say, because most of the time doctors reassure them that, you know, you're gonna get better. Right. I don't, I, I see there's hope. Right. So I don't see this level of depression. Right. But what happens, and I don't know if this is your experience, nine months later, they get some of their function back and probably most doctors will say, ah, oh, you look fine. But they don't have this coordinated facial movement, which we know of, we call this as synkinesis. And they're actually more depressed then. Right, right. Because even though to everyone around them, they're so much better, but to them, they're profoundly different. Right. And it's, you know, I, I think people think it's because of how they look. And like we were talking about earlier, you can walk down the street and and some people you don't even notice. And like you said, the doctors say you look fine. The husband says you look fine, but they don't feel fine. Yeah. And because what they, they can actually feel the difference between the two sides of their face, feeling it as opposed to seeing it in the mirror. Of course, we can all pick out asymmetries in our face. We yeah. all have that. We all have it, right. But we have a certain, even if we're not completely symmetrical, there's a harmony between our two sides of the face. And after Bell's palsy, and especially the first, like like you said, when they first come out of it and there's, it, it looks like they have a stroke and the doctor says, oh, you know, there's a 85% chance within the next three months it will be completely normal. And it is for the 85%. Yeah. And then there's the 15%. And as it continues to recover, it like overcorrects. And so more muscles than needed for a particular expression start to fire. So you might have the smile muscle, which is normally happy. And you might have the frown muscle, which is normally sad. You might have them firing at the same time. So it's not like they can't smile, but it's like while they're smiling, they're sad at the same time. And that's what the onlooker sees, and that's what they feel internally, because that side of the face may be doing that while the other side is smiling normally. And so they feel that, that discrepancy internally, because the skin of the face sends these signals to the brain saying, oh, you're moving differently. Yeah. How many muscles, I mean, can you tell the audience how intricate the muscle system in our face is? And, because it's not just smiling. That's not the only expression that right. we make. Right. The face imparts multiple different expressions. How many muscles? Can you give a little detail about how intricate the system is? So I, I, there are about 23. I think there's a little bit of discussion yeah. about little tiny ones and I, we're finding like little things all the time. Like, oh, I never really knew that was there. Just little tiny things. But we create somewhere between two and 3,000, right? Distinctly recognizable expressions. Some of them are sort of the broad expressions. That's that we amazing. It's amazing. No, 3,000 expressions. It, it's incredible. And you think of, you know, you think of it, a baby smiles at six weeks. Right. Right? Nobody ever sits a baby down and says, okay, honey, here's a mirror. I'm going to sit you in front of the mirror, and I want you to flex your zygomatic major and minor muscle. Those are the two smile muscles. So out of the 23, really there are two primary smile right. muscles. So it's something that's innate to our humanness. The face is the first thing we recognize. We see our mother. We're out of the womb. It's the first thing we see. It's, what, it's, it's imprinted in us. And 
there's a website, I can't remember what it's called, or a Facebook group. It's something like I See Faces. Yeah. And it's people posting pictures of like inanimate objects where, you know, you see a face, like there's a cloud and you can see a face in the cloud or, and it's fascinating what comes up on, on that website. We see faces in everything. And so we're used to seeing a certain symmetry or harmony. And so these patients don't have that anymore. So the 23 muscles work together synergistically. So for different expressions, you'll have one or two muscles and a couple of other ones, but it's, it's all about sequencing, which ones are turned on through, uh, for a certain expression and which ones are not turned on. And what happens with some of these facial nerve disorders is that the wrong ones are sequenced together. And I, I, you've heard me use this analogy before. Sometimes with patients, all of them turn on at the same time. And because the muscles of the face only move skin, they don't move bones around joints, because they only move skin, if you have a skin pulling up with one, one muscle and pulling down with another, it might look like it's not moving at all yeah. because they cancel each other out. And so people see that and they think, well, it's not moving. I better work harder. Yeah. And it's kind of like taking all of your fingers and pounding on the piano keys all at once. There's yeah, plenty of I strength. I love that analogy, right? Right? There's plenty of strength. You can make a lot of noise, but it's not Chopin. It's not music. And kind of like the face, if all of the muscles move at the same time, you don't have expression. You just have noise. And it's, it's, it's hard to read it. You can't, it's, you can't really read it because if you, if you think of it as an equation, smile plus frown plus sneer plus excitement, and what does that equal? No, nothing. Aggression. Yeah, no, right, nothing. Right, 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 right. And so the training is how do we isolate only the muscles needed for a particular expression and tell all the other ones to stay quiet? And how do you do that? How do you do that? So this is what the treatment for what we call synkinesis, which is like your nerve is there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. The muscles are there, right? but we don't have the right sequencing. And I love that word sequencing yeah. because it is a sequence, right? Yeah. I mean, some muscles get a little bit, some muscles get have to start, some muscles end. So what do you, how do you, how do you retrain someone that has this issue? Well, the first thing we start off with is education because nobody knows how they smile. Like I said. Most doctors, by the way, have no clue about this. Okay, so you ask anybody how you smile. Well, they just, they move their mouth. But the smile is not in the mouth. We don't smile with our mouth. The actual smile muscles are located in the cheeks. And when they flex, they pull the corner of the mouth up and you get the, the development of the apple of the cheek. The apple of the cheek is kind of like the bicep of yeah. the face, right? You flex your bicep, you get a little yeah. you know, bulge in your bicep. Well, when you flex your smile muscle, you get a bulge in the cheek, and that's the, the apple of the cheek. And because the muscles attach to the corner of the mouth, the corner of the mouth gets pulled up by the apple of the cheek. So right. the apple of the cheek is like the tow truck, and it's towing the corner of the mouth up. The mouth doesn't, the mouth goes along for the ride. But most people don't know that, so they try to smile with their mouth. But what the mouth does is it puckers. 
or it presses the lips together. The mouth, the actual function of the mouth is to kind of close down toward the center. And so if people are trying to smile with their mouth, their mouth won't open. And so this basic education, here are the muscles, this is the way they, they pull. And going through one by one with the patient and sort of um, illustrating, okay, these are the ones that are working. And how does it work on your unaffected side? And what's the difference? And so that's part of the evaluation. And once it's really, it's amazing that um, somebody comes in and you know they have function, but it's the, the sequence is wrong. And um, I have a great example uh, right, right now of a current person who came in and was smiling. She just basically was smiling on her unaffected side because- Kind of shutting down the other side. Exactly, and yeah. that's another emotional, social issue. Huge. I think, I mean, honestly, if you sit even at a dinner table and you cannot laugh at someone's joke, yep. you can't communicate, you can't give them a polite smile, it's impactful. I right. mean, you can't, I mean, people won't want to hang out with you. And they shut themselves down. So, and then yeah. they think that people are responding to and their- people think you're like- Exactly. Mean, or you're not right. like friendly. Right, but and then- And then they'll shut you out. Right, and people yeah. think that happens because of their paralysis. But if they're shutting their own emotional yeah. communication down, that people are responding to that as well. So we have to, I think one of the things, the takeaway, at least from what I'm getting, is obviously uh, when someone has a small dysfunction, they really need help. Yeah. Both from a physical as well as an emotional side. Yeah. Because they have to understand what's going on in their brain with their physical side of it. But I also think they have to understand the emotional consequences, even though they're feeling it, they're getting it. But I think, you know, just like we need help physically, I think uh, we need help also emotionally uh, to overcome, overcome that. So it, we talked, I mean, we talked about Bell's palsy, which is the most common cause of small dysfunction. What happens when someone gets a stroke? What is the, why, what, what happens when someone actually has a stroke, which basically impacts the brain itself, not the nerves and the wiring? How are they impacted? And why is it we don't see that many people actually have long-term facial paralysis after they have a stroke? That's really, that's a great question because that's, that's not, those are not really the kinds of um, people that I work we with end in up mind. Seeing, yeah. That's right. Um, but a lot of times with a stroke, the part of the brain that makes voluntary movement isn't working properly. Like people can't figure out how to create a voluntary smile, like for taking a picture, for example. Yeah. But, but when you see them smile spontaneously, it's fine. And so once they know that that's happening spontaneously, they they're not too worried about it anymore. And also with the stroke, there's usually so many other yeah, they have functional much issues. Bigger problems. Right, right. So by the time they kind of get around to working on, on the smile mechanism, things are things are better because they've had to take time to work on their other rehab prior to that. And also the the functional issues are a little different in the stroke because that people don't have trouble like closing their eyes or eye dryness with a stroke where they might have with Bell's palsy. Yeah. Uh, so with the facial nerve, 
there's certain parts of the brain that impact one side or both sides. So the lower part of the face is actually impacted with only one side of the brain. Whereas the upper part of the face, you get input from both sides. So if you have a stroke, generally your eye elevation and closure and all that stuff isn't as impacted as it is with the lower face. Right. So, right. so that's why we end up seeing a little bit less actual issues with patients who have strokes. My dad had a stroke in his later years. And so his, his face kind of, kind of fell a little bit, but it was really interesting with my dad. I could look across the table at him and I, I used my finger and I could go like this and he would pull his face up. It was almost like the brain kind of forgets what to do. Yeah. And as soon as he thought about, oh yeah, it's down, I'll pull it up. He was able to do that. So that's with a stroke. With someone with Bell's palsy wouldn't be able to do that because the nerve isn't conducting the electrical signal, kind of like the wire you plug in, uh, plug a lamp into the wall. It's like the wire is a little disconnected for a while. It's fascinating. And this is what I, I find we, we know so little. Yeah. I mean, even though I feel like even in the last 15 years, look at how far we've come yeah. with understanding these, the brain and nerves and muscles, but we still don't know. We're like at the real early stages of our knowledge in this because it's yeah. such a complex process yeah. with our communication and how the brain functions and how the spontaneity goes. And it, it doesn't go wrong that often. I mean, you compare it to things like heart disease or hip replacements or knee replacements. It just, it's not as common. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, we call it orphan disease yeah. where it's a very small percentage, but impactful with that. Now, one of the things that I've found really, really interesting and fascinating are um, you know, children and adults who have Mobius syndrome. Because Mobius syndrome, basically the individual does not have the capacity to smile on both sides. Right. And even though at rest, their face looks more balanced because both sides are paralyzed, I, I feel like they have significantly more lifelong problems and issues. Can you maybe give us a little bit of input on what you think, how that's impactful in these kids and adults' lives who can't smile on both sides? You know, it's, it's really interesting. There's, um, I think there's a new study out that, that shows that they're actually maybe even more well-adjusted than people who get facial paralysis on one side later in life. But as far as their, um, as far as people being able to read them, it's it's tough, and you know I think that it, as you working in this field and just just being a human being, you just have you look past the face. Yeah. Who is the person that you're talking to? Yeah. It doesn't matter what color they are or what religion they are. And it doesn't even matter if their face is moving. You look into their eyes, you look into their soul, yeah. and somehow you get, you get past that. And um, That's hard to do in society. The society, I think, that's a, that's a tall order. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find that I think 
people who have physical deformities or differences, I think it's, it's, it's hard enough when you have acne as a 16 year old, yeah. right? Yeah. Let alone when your face can't express itself or can't smile. I think it's just, it's a tough world we live in. Yeah. And I think people are still as much as we've become open-minded, I still think it's pretty difficult. I totally agree. We're like I said earlier, it's the first thing we see. I mean, yeah. that's what we're it's 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 innate. It's just part of our our humanness. Um I know that for kids with Mobius syndrome, they look they look to other ways to communicate. They do a lot of hand gestures, shoulder shrugs, tilts of the head, things like that. Uh to to try to make themselves understood to whoever communicate. they're trying to communicate. Yeah, with. and yeah. express express themselves. And right. that's really what I find. I think our ability to smile is our ability to express ourselves mm -hmm. and communicate, and that's kind of the most important thing with that. So someone who comes in with a smile dysfunction and sees you, what's your product? What do you what do you do? What's your protocol? What other things other than what you do are available from your perspective that you think, look, if we want to do everything we can, I'm going to do this with you. Then we're going to do this. We're going to consider this. What, what's your general protocol? All right. So what I said before is that first part is the education part. Sometimes it's as simple as when they know what the anatomy is saying something like, listen, smile with your cheek instead of your mouth. And then all of a sudden, it changes everything about the way they do it. Yeah. Um, and then teaching them what to not move, which is very counterintuitive because we think about exercise and we think about going to the gym and getting strong. But in this case, it's about keeping the muscles that should be zeroed out during a sequence. It's about keeping them at zero rather than trying to make a big movement. Natural movements in the face are very delicate. They're very low amplitude. We don't move our face hard ever. And so part of the rehab is small movements because we our ultimate goal is to normalize the face, yeah. not to get super uber human facial strength. So if normal expression is low amplitude and we read these tiny things in each other, we don't need to practice hard movements. Yeah. Because strength does not equal expression. Um, and so... We work, we work on that. Sometimes they have spasms in their face and we take care, we take care of that through soft tissue work. Um, and we work on that for X number of months, depending on, on the patient. And then there are other things that we can do to add to that to improve it, like, like, like using um, Botox, for example, to calm down some of the hyperactive muscles. If, we're ha if they're having trouble learning how to keep it quiet, the Botox gives us a window of opportunity during which they can practice more normal movement. And so the brain can learn, just like the brain learns how to play golf. We just practice quiet, small little pieces over and over again, and, and your brain learns new patterns. Muscle memory. Exactly. Yeah. And Botox for our listener, by the way, we have a podcast called Botox 101. Oh, good. That for anyone who's listening to this <laughs> and, uh, 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 look out for Botox 101. Okay. It's a really, really good uh, podcast. But, but Botox for our listeners who, um, I mean, everybody, I think, pretty much in the U.S. knows about Botox. But basically, it's a protein that binds um, uh, 
other proteins in the body and basically limits the activity of muscle. So it calms down muscle activity. And so for what Jackie was saying earlier, if we have overactive muscles that we want to calm down, we can use Botox right. to calm them down. Right. And it's a pretty safe product that's been around for a long time. And in fact, the initial uses were for spasms right. and you know, right. eye muscle movement, eye muscle movement yep. and so forth. Yep. Okay, so um, how about, I'm a surgeon. Yeah. How about surgery? What are, well, what are, <laughs> what are, what are some of the, um, approaches for someone who has paralysis and they've worked with you and they're going to continue working with you and they've used Botox and what do you, what are your thoughts on surgery and, uh, well, up until the treatments up until the recent past, mm -hmm. in my opinion, there really was no real surgery for this particular abnormal movement condition, the synchinesis. Uh, people were implanting extra muscle in there to get the smile to go higher, but it wasn't taking care of the abnormal parts of the movement. But there is a relatively new procedure called selective neurolysis that actually surgically um, removes some of those abnormally firing nerves from the, from the muscles that are acting improperly and um, allows the smile to open up more and to lift more because it's not being pulled down by the negative acting muscles anymore. And um, it's been really effective. Okay. So I think that's like the, that's like the, like the only surgery that I know of on the horizon that's yeah. really effective for synchinesis. Yeah. And this is a surgery that actually about seven, eight years ago, maybe nine years ago, you and I, we were at conferences. We went to a conference. This is really interesting. And um, it was in Taiwan. And one of our colleagues was talking about taking all the muscles out, putting new muscles in for patients with synchinesis or with these like normal working muscles that weren't coordinated perfectly well. The sequence wasn't right. And basically a lot of you know, conceptually, uh, we've been talking about this for 15 years, that mm -hmm. this was the most difficult thing to really treat because the patients look okay, they look good, but they still aren't getting everything that they need sometimes with the physiotherapy, neuromuscular retraining and Botox. And so the surgery was really kind of brought, come about by the fact that we can, it, Botox is not very specific it'll like blast out and reduce the activity of any muscle that's in its way. Whereas when you go to the nerve level, you could be much more specific in what you do. So the surgery ended up being something that, you know, has been really amazing. I, in my point of view, really amazing uh, over the past seven or eight years uh, that, uh, you know, not perfect. Right. There's, you know, there's no perfect, you know, and there's no free lunch. Yeah, right. And for sure. I mean, it's not perfect, but I think it's really has improved. And one of the, the things approach. that you've done that the surgeon that you're talking about from that conference, um, one of the things that you've done that I really appreciate is that you don't take out muscles. Yeah. I mean, there aren't any, with the maybe one exception, expendable muscles in the face. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, it's not... Our face isn't just, we don't communicate just by smiling. We have all of these other expressions that we need to communicate yeah. to, to people. And so 
we want to preserve as much of the good function, even, you know, even a sad face is, is useful. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I really like about the neurolysis is that it, it preserves the, the good stuff, but it tones it down enough to let the, the, the smile open and really be expressed. Yeah. And I find, um, I find, you know, creating a natural smile and having a natural smile requires a lot of complex factors. You have to be, you know, you have to have the timing to be right. We have to see the same number of teeth on both sides. We have to see the corner of the mouth moving symmetrically. We have to see the cheek mound, like the apple cheeks mm -hmm. happening at the same time. And this has to be all done without you thinking about it. Right. It's so and complicated. And that's why it's so complicated. And we wanted to dedicate, you know, a lot of time to this because smiling and communicating with our face and eyes and is a very complex process that, you know, really has, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy for the brain to do it naturally. It's really not easy for you from a, you know, retraining. And for myself, when I see patients from a, you know, cosmetic and reconstructive angle to really get them back to exactly where, the way they were. Right, right. Well, you know, you think even about, even about people who are listening who don't have any kind of facial asymmetry or facial paralysis, there's a difference between smiling for a picture. Yes. Then, then for smiling if somebody tells a joke or, yeah. you know, being or happy. Or watching a funny movie. And it comes yeah. from a different part of the brain. And it's, um, it, you know, it's disconcerting to look at somebody who, like, smiles beautifully, but then you stick a camera in front of them. Well, I mean, you have kids. You know, when they're five, six years old and they come home with their school pictures and their smiles are Oh, alive, my God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's a, it, that's a skill, like smiling like that is a skill that people learn, like models learn it or whoever. Yeah, kids definitely, especially when you want to take a picture of them. Right. Now, th right. they're, they're, they're not into that. But spontaneously, <laughs> yeah. they're gorgeous. And, yeah. you, you know, you hit them on a spontaneous photo. And so we're kind of dealing with how, with some of these surgical patients or these Bell's palsy patients, sometimes we can get a good voluntary smile, but we don't have the spontaneous yeah, aspect of absolutely. it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we're still working on how do we bridge the gap between thinking, okay, I'm going to flex this muscle to smile and okay, I'm happy and it's just going to happen. Yeah. It's, it is really complicated. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating part of our social, you know, psychologic and physical. It's a nexus of yep. these three things. And I really feel, I mean, that's why you know, I've been fascinated by this, by people's smile. That's why we call this smile because it imparts happiness. It imparts health, wellness. Right, right. If you're not well, if you have a medical issue, you're not smiling. Right. Forget about if you have a medical, you know, smile issue. Right. But you know, if if you don't feel great about yourself, you're not smiling. Right. If you're not confident, you're not smiling. Right. You know, or you're going to do one of those fake smiles that our kids do when we ask to take a photo right. in front of a, you know. Right. People see right our, through Yeah, that. so they see right through it. So right. 
that's why I find it just so really fascinating. And this is probably, I would say, I, I, I've never seen a podcast or a health show that has focused on the smile. And that's why I, you know, I'm like so grateful that you joined us today. Oh, I'm grateful Honestly, to be here. to give a little bit more respect to our smile and also give a little bit more thought process to individuals who have smile differences. Right. And that's really, 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 I think it's been, you know, in the medical community, even amongst neurologists, amongst primary care doctor, emergency room, plastic surgeons, I just think there isn't enough information out there and the knowledge base of people understanding how to manage individuals who have small dysfunction is really, really low. Yep. So hopefully totally with your, you know, with your insight and, uh, you and know, further we can collaboration, collaboration you, right? yeah, our collaboration, <laughs> we, is, we can, we can, you know, put a little impact on, yeah. uh, on that. And yep. for our listeners and, um, uh, viewers, I really want you to, you'll know more right now, or you do know more than probably 99% of doctors about how someone smiles. But if you see someone who has Bell's palsy or small dysfunction, I think that, you know, they're just in an island mm -hmm. by themselves and they don't have the support network. But, you know, please give them the information they need to find people like Jackie uh, to help them out. And, uh, and obviously there are a lot of doctors around the world that do this and understand this, yep. but very few are world-class experts like you. Yeah, like you. So, yeah. I really, really appreciate your time, Jackie. Yeah. This was amazing. And uh, again, please feel free to uh, leave a comment for us. Uh, um, give us suggestions. Jackie, how, do, how can they? How can the uh, audience reach you if they have any questions? Um, Jackie deals at facialretraining.com. Okay, and we'll put that in uh, in our comments section. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you and at our next podcast. All right. All Thank right. you again. Thanks. Thank you. All right.